As we begin to move into this year, we're thinking about how can we, as individuals, as a church body, how can we move forward with Jesus? That's what we want to do, right? We want to do that. We want to move forward with Jesus. Um, and that's what we're trying to, to focus on. And we understand a couple things. We understand uh, that the need is that people are lost and the need is great. That there are, there are people out there, your friends, your family members, people you know and love, who need the Lord. And if they die in their sin, they're in trouble, right? We know that. They're going to be cut off from life forever, eternity. And that's a big need, you know? That's the greatest need on the planet. It's the biggest need ever. It's the biggest need out there. There's nothing greater than that. And so we're trying to figure out, uh, one, the, knowing the need, and two, then, uh, taking the mission is taking the good news to them, okay? And we understand that it's not about uh, what the message is. We know who the answer is. The answer is who? Jesus. He's the answer. He's the remedy for sin. He's the only one that can clean it. He's the only atoning sacrifice. We studied that this morning. The atoning sacrifice for our what, Cole? Sin. That's right. Atoning sacrifice for our sin. See, these guys do listen. They do listen. Sunday school class. Uh, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So we know that the world needs Jesus. We understand that that's what is going to uh, be the thing we need to do. But the question is not when. The question is not what. Uh, the question is how. How are we going to take the message of the gospel to the world? That's what we need to do. So we, I started this message last week, and um, I'm just going to kind of move through it and just kind of reflect on some of the things we said and then, then finish it and go on to the second half. Okay, so just kind of work with me a little bit. I'm going to move through these slides real quick. Um, we, we looked at a passage of Scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah said, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for a new thing. Watch for the new thing. I, uh, I am going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. I hope, I hope that all of us are here. That, that we're beginning to let go and we're beginning to let God. We're beginning to let go of things that are holding us back, maybe past stuff, whatever it is. Not just past traditions, but maybe past sin or past habits or past things that are behind you that are now holding you from going forward. We're letting go of those, those things and we're looking. We're looking forward to a new thing and God is already doing something new in the world and in His church and through His people. And I hope we're anticipating and looking for that to happen. We're letting go and we're letting God. That's what Isaiah just said. Let go of the past. Look for a new thing. God is already doing it. I hope, we, I hope we're looking for the new thing. I hope our eyes are wide open. We're sitting on the edge of our seat and we're saying, God, help me see what you're doing. Help me see the new thing that you're doing in my generation so that we can take the gospel to the world now and tomorrow. Whatever happened yesterday is great, but it's history. We're moving forward. And so we, we talked about this, that moving forward means that we let go and we let God, but it also means that, that uh, we set our heart uh, to do so, that we, we make it a decision in our heart and in our mind that we're going to let go and we're going to let God and we're going to move forward with Him. The, the early church, the early apostles, those early followers... That's exactly what they did. They, they determined deep within them that this is the thing we're going to do. I am going to press onward with Christ. 
I'm going to let go of everything that's holding me back and I'm moving forward with Jesus. They set it in their hearts to do so. And we saw that throughout the new, uh, some of the book of Acts. We're, so we're in the book of Acts chapter 5 and we just got going in ch- chapter 5. You're going to want to flip there to chapter 5, Acts 5, as we continue to kind of reflect on some of the things that happened. Remember Ananias, the beginning of the chapter, Ananias and Sapphira, they set it in their hearts to lie to God. And they dropped dead. And, and, and that message was heard loud and clear in the church. That, that you don't dare mess around with God. Don't do it. It's not a smart idea. It's like grabbing hold of a telephone wire. You're not going to win. You're going to get dead. Okay? And, and so there's, there's the, you know, we like to focus on the love side of God, and that's wonderful and great, but you know what? There's a powerful side of God that will kill you, that will kill us. And that's what happened here in the book of Acts. And they didn't hide it. They didn't like, let's sweep this under the carpet so nobody, under, nobody hears what happened. Did you guys see what happened? They dropped dead, and we went out and buried them. Let's not, tell, let's not let this guy. No, God put it in the Bible so that all of us can read it. And we can all know that you mess with God you will lose. That's all there's to it. You just mess with God and you're done. And what the result of that was that great fear seized not only the church, but everyone who heard about it. And so there was this like fearful anticipation that if you jump in with God and you connect with God, you could, you could do great things. You could move mountains. But you could also get, get injured. You know, some of the songs we sing about how God is loving and safe and all that, and he is, but he's dangerous. You don't mess with, you don't mess with the power of God, and we need to understand the fear of the Lord as well as the love and the grace of God. And if we don't balance that, we're going to be in trouble. And so great fear seizes the whole church. And then we see the apostles as the book of uh, as Acts chapter 5 begins to unfold. What happens is uh, the apostles go out and they begin to share this good news with the world. And, um, and people are hearing the word of God and they're, they're just out there preaching the word. They're on the streets, they're moving, they're, they're in Solomon's colonnade where the public is hanging out. <laughs> they're not locked in some building somewhere. They are there where non-Christians are wandering around and they're having worship here. Jesus went to Solomon's colonnade and taught people and talked to people and shared the good news. He was where they were. He was where you once were. Right? And he, somebody, Jesus through somebody shared the good news with you somewhere in, in this world, somehow, some way. And you are now here in the presence of God because somebody took it to the streets. And they were, they were doing just that. That's what the early church was made up of, was people who knew, came to know Jesus, who took it to the streets and shared it in all kinds of places. And they took it to the colonnades, and they took it to wherever people were, they went. They were there. And then um, they get arrested. Remember, we talked about uh, the apostles are arrested, and they are um, warned. Uh, not to share, why are you sharing this good news? We killed this guy, and now you're out there sharing this good news about this guy, and they are warning them, and they throw them in prison, and an angel of the Lord appears and opens the gates, and they are released from prison, and nobody knows it. They're just gone. They're out of there, and, and the angel says to them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people 
all about this new life. So they already heard it from Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? Go share the good news. Get out into the world and share the good news. And now the angel is piercing them in jail, releases them from jail, and says, confirms what Jesus told them. Go share the good news. Go out there and do this. And so they go out there and, and do this. In Acts chapter 5, they obey at daybreak. They enter the temple courts, as they had been told by Jesus, and now by the angel, and they began to teach the people. The people. And this is where we left off last week, right here. Okay, this is where we left off. And they do exactly, they do exactly what God told them to do. They're out there just sharing the good news. And we're right there in the middle of Acts chapter 5. And what happens is, in verse 22, if you're looking at your scriptures, the leaders discover the empty cell. Okay, the story is going to continue now. The leaders come in the morning, they discover this empty cell that was, and it's securely locked still. They're just gone. Nobody knows how. And then they locate these guys, the apostles, and they're in the temple, and they're teaching again. Right? Like they're thinking, you know, if we lock them up, maybe we'll send a message. Just be quiet and go about your life and stop talking about this Jesus. But they find them in the temple, and there they are teaching them again about this Jesus. And so they have them brought in. And they question them, and they say to them, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. We told you don't do this. We're the authorities. And we told you, subjects, not to teach in the name of Jesus. What would you do? Like, what would you do? What do you do? Right? What would you do if you were them? I mean, they, they are being told not to teach in the name of Jesus by the authorities, by the leaders, right? Did you know, you know, you know this, we all know this, that the devil just would like you to be quiet. The, the enemy would like you just to be quiet. Just don't talk about Jesus, just talk about whatever. Anything else is fine. Don't you talk about Jesus. The devil would like to silence you and keep you in your home and keep you from getting out into the world and sharing the good news with people around you. Just, just be quiet. You can go get coffee, you can go do stuff, just don't say anything. That's what the devil would like for you to do. Silence you. Verse 29 is a beautiful verse. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men or rather than human beings. <laughs> this is good, right? This is good. We, we, we must obey God rather than, than men. Like they, they understood this. this. This, they never lost priority, right? They understood uh, what Jesus told them to do. They understood what the mission was, and they were going to hold the course no matter what. And here's the cool thing is, is that they're being questioned by these guys, and they, they told them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus, and they say, look, I don't know, you know, but... We, we've got to obey God. You know, God told us that we should go share the good news of his son. And, and you're telling us don't, and we've got to obey one or the other. Right? 
which is, which is where we all are. Like, uh, what are we listening to? Who are we listening to? Are we listening to God who told us to go into all the world? Or are we listening to men who say other things to do? Other things that might even be good things, but they're not what God said to go do. We're just, you know, we're going to do God's thing another way. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit the mic. We're going to go a, a different direction, but we're going we're gonna to do God's thing. We're just going to kind of do it our way. The way that we've always been taught, or the way that they did it in, in the past. We all are faced with this, this, this dilemma of how are we going to go, and are we going to obey God, or are we going to obey man? And you know, like, this is what's going on in Hex 5. In these apostles, you've got to keep this in mind, in the beginning of this, this section, not long ago, their friends, Ananias and Sapphira, dropped dead because they set it in their hearts to lie to God, and now they're dead, and they have to bury them, and now they're going to move forward, and now they're being arrested, and they could be going, man, this, what's going on here? The whole world is falling apart. Every time we do something, it turns out wrong. You know, and we could get really just like, they could get really like, what, what is going on here? Why, God, are you doing this to me? It would be very easy to, for them, right, in just this part of the history of the church to feel this way. But, but here's what's going on. They're like, we must obey God rather than human beings. And then uh, while we're at it, like while we have the opportunity and you have brought us in, We'd like to share a little more with you guys, you leaders, you, uh, you know, religious leaders. And, and, and so they say, did you know that the God, the God of our... Now, now they're going to preach to those who just arrested them and told them not to speak in this name. Now they're going to share this name with them. This is, this is crazy. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. And then they say, whom you killed. Whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sin. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You know what we call this? We call this crazy bold. This is out of your mind boldness. I mean, they're staring at the guys who threw them in jail, the authorities, the leaders, the religious people who have all the bells and whistles on, the ones with all the money, the ones who control everything, the ones who think they're over everyone, and they're telling, they're preaching the good news to these guys, and they say, you killed the Messiah. You killed the Christ. You killed the one you're waiting for. Like, it doesn't get any more bold. It doesn't get any more brave. It doesn't get any more courageous than this. This is courageous leadership, by the way. This is crazy leadership that is full of courage and is completely fearless in the eyes of the authorities. We, we, all, we all have to make decisions on, on who we're going to listen to and what we're going to obey. And, and we, we understand that these guys aren't like, the apostles are not out there committing crimes. They're not like destroying stuff and hurting people and then saying they're doing it in the name of Jesus. That's not what's going on here. They're simply proclaiming the name of Jesus to the world, which is what God told them to go do. The authorities now are telling them to stop doing that and they have to make a decision. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? And the answer is clear. It's simple. There's no brainer. We're going to obey God. 
And whatever that does to you, that's your problem. And whatever that does to us, we're just dealing with it. They don't care. They don't care. And, and, and shame on us. Shame on us as believers in this day. You know, shame on us for fearing men when we should not. You know, there's a lot of separation of church and state stuff out there, matters that you can't do this and you can't do that, and all this stuff. And, and all these things have us as paranoid. As Christians, we're paranoid. Like, we, can we do that? Can we not do that? Can we say that? Can we not say that right? We all walk around like, I don't know, can I do that? I'm not talking about committing crimes. I'm talking about sharing the name of Jesus. And if that gets you in trouble, so be Right? That's, that's what's on their hearts. That's what's on their mind. There is no retreat in their hearts on these guys. They could care less what the rules are or what the religious folk say. They're not worried about, about doing things the way that they've always been done. People get mad when you do that. When you say that. When you think that. But that's what they're doing. And the religious leaders don't like it. Because you're doing things that we don't approve of. We've never done it that way. And I love, you got to love in this passage how they refer to the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Like, they talk about the Holy Spirit like he's Uncle Bob. Like, so, you know, we, we are witnesses of these things, so is, so is, Uncle, so is the Holy Spirit. He's right here with us. He's living in us. He's a person. He's right here among us. He's a witness of the same thing we're a witness of, and we're witnesses together of what God has done and who Jesus is, and we're not in this thing alone because the Holy Spirit is right here among us and with us. We're witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. See, a church on the move walks with the Holy Spirit. A church on the move does not ignore the Holy Spirit or act as if the Holy Spirit is no longer among us. He is among us. He's right here living in you. And they say, we must obey God rather than men. That's bold. That's brave. That's so different than us. You know, this is the early church. We are talking straight out of the Bible. Straight out of the heart of the early church as it began to move out as it moved forward, and that's exactly what we want to be a part of, is this church that is moving forward with God. God never said stop at some point or only go to this point and don't do any more. God is on the move and he wants to work in his people. Even in the face of death, these guys are willing to work out. Look at your Bibles, chapter 5, verse 30, 33. It says, when they heard this, the religious leaders, when they heard what the apostles said and their attitude, they were furious. And they wanted to put them to death. That's how much hatred they had toward these guys who are just trying to obey God. These aren't Satan worshipers who hate the apostles. These are Christian men, apparently. These were religious leaders, people who knew the scriptures. These are the people who should know better, and they are hating the ones who were sent from God. They even nailed Jesus to the cross, and Peter, uh, the apostles just said that. 
So what causes a person, what causes a Christian to move out so boldly and with such purpose and with such fire? What causes a person to do that? Because whatever it is, I want it. Like, I want that, right? Don't you want that? Don't you want to walk on this earth with that kind of boldness and courage and faith that you know that you know that God is calling you to do this thing and you do this thing no matter what anyone else thinks or does? It doesn't matter. Like, you're so on fire for what God wants in your life that it doesn't matter what people say. You know that it lines up with the will of God. You know that it lines up with the Word of God. And you know that the Holy Spirit is moving in you. What causes a person to do this? Well, really just this one thing at this moment, and that is this, that they set apart Christ as Lord of their lives. And they set apart the mission of Christ as most important and the priority of everything that they do. See, this is how we will move forward with Jesus. This is the only way that we will move forward with Jesus is if at first we set it in our hearts to do so. Acts chapter 5 ends kind of like this. One of the more spiritual uh, leaders, one of the more spiritual-minded Pharisee religious guys, Gamaliel, he talks them down. Okay, He talks these religious leaders down because remember, the apostles are in the presence of these religious leaders. They've thrown them in jail. They escaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now they're brought back in. So they're still here in the presence of these religious leaders. And they just shared with them the good news of who Jesus is and that they killed the Messiah, but that God and the Holy Spirit, or they and the Holy Spirit are witnesses of who this Jesus is. And so they're still there with these guys. And this guy, Gamaliel, he, he talks them down. So look what happens here. Chapter 5, verse 33. Look what it says. When they heard them, this is, I read this already, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death, okay? That's the heart of the religious leaders. That's not the love of God. That's the heart of the religious leaders. That's what happens to a religious person is they become hard to what God wants and they only care about what they think. That's, that's a problem. When you start saying things like, God can't do that or that can't be possible or that's not how it is, you're in trouble. You're in deep trouble because what has happened is you've gotten into a box and you're not moving out of it. Well, we all know God can blow your box apart. We all know that God doesn't live in a box. God can do whatever God does. He's given us guidelines and rules and, and how to go about what he wants, but God can do whatever it is he wants. Who are we to say God can do or not do? But so that's where they're at. That's where these religious leaders are at. They're, at this, they're in a box. The apostles, they are operating outside of the box, and they're, they're operating with God, and the Pharisees are no longer in the will of God or working with God. They're now working against God. But they want the, the, these apostles to get in the box and shut up. Conform to what we have created, or we're going to kill you, basically. We want you dead. We want you dead. So look what happens. Verse 34, a Pharisee uh, named Gamaliel, he's a teacher of the law. Check out who this guy is, chapter 5. I hope you're looking at your Bibles. He, he's a, he's a, a teacher of the law. He, he's honored by all the people, and he stands up among the Sanhedrin, and he orders that the men be put outside for a little while, and then he talks to the leaders. And he reminds them of a couple people of the past who have risen up as some kind of 
you know, spiritual leader or some kind of prophet or whatever. Uh, one of them is by the name of uh, Thaddeus, and the other is by the name of Judas. And he, he reflects back to them. You remember those two guys? They, they rose up. They claimed to be this special person. They had this little following. They died, and the following kind of faded away. Nothing became of it, in other words. And then he says, therefore, in verse 38, therefore, in the present case, here's what I advise you. This is Gamaliel, one of the Pharisees, talking to the rest of them. Leave these men alone. Let them go. Just, just let's let, let them go. For if their purpose or their activity is of human origin, it will fail. Nothing's going to become of it. it. There's no power behind it. But... If it's from God, you will not be able to stop it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that where you want to be? I hope that's where you want to be. Like, I want to quit doing things of men and just be in the will of God. I hope that's what you want. I hope, I hope that's what we want. Now, we're not hanging on to stuff just because we did it or made it or started it or created it or learned it. I hope, we're, I hope what we're really holding on to is God. And he says, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will find yourself fighting against God. And you will not win that battle. Right? You won't win that battle. And so his speech persuades them. And so they call the apostles in. And here you go. This is more good stuff here. They call the apostles in and they flog them. They flog them. Like, we're going to let you go, but first, we're going to give you a beating that you're never going to forget. It's a scourging. It's a scourging. It's a whipping with a, with a handle with strips of leather on it. Sometimes, if it was a severe flogging, there'd be bones and metal chunks that would rip your flesh apart. That would, that would basically bring about a certain death. They didn't want to kill these guys at this point. They were just going to let them go, but they wanted to send a strong message. And the message is, if you talk about Jesus, there's more of this coming. And next time it will be with with more severe, like, more severe punishment. And so they flog them. And in and, and a flogging, we've kind of seen pictures of it and stuff. It, they basically, and this comes out of the Old Testament. This is kind of biblical. They, if you committed a crime or did something you shouldn't do, they would lay you out, like, prostrate, and they would use a rod or they would use different things to teach you a lesson. It was kind of supposed to get you to, to realize your ear of your ways and change. And so now the Romans, they have taken this to a whole other level and they're using this kind of punishment to, to basically execute people or get them as close to execution as they can. And so they flog the apostles and then they say to them, bloody and beaten as they're kicking them out the door, don't speak in the name of Jesus ever again. And they let them go. And that should shut them up, right? Verse 41. The apostles, they leave the Sanhedrin. Somebody say that word. Yeah. They're bloody. They're hurt. They've just been flogged. Some of them probably are half dead. 
They're probably helping each other, like, out the door. And, and maybe some of the women and other people, other Christians, are, like, helping them walk. We don't, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue what, this is, what, what was going on to these Christians. We got it way too easy in our comfortable pews. They leave rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never, they never stop teaching. They never stop proclaiming. Day after day after day, yeah, you beat us, we don't care. Yeah, you told us not to do it. We don't care. We're going to obey God rather than men. Day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. That makes, that makes our Christianity look like oh, not good. But, but these are the, this is the early church here, by the way. These are the early Christians. These are the ones we're trying to pattern our life after. These are the ones we're trying to pattern our church after. And what we do as a body of Christ. But this is incredible. They leave rejoicing. And they go in the temple courts and from house to house, battered and bruised and beaten and oozing. But they don't care because they're never going to stop teaching and proclaiming about the name of Jesus to people in the public square. They need to hear the message. They are lost in their sin and going to hell. And I'm going to do everything I can until the day I die or you kill me. And I'm going to take the good news to them. That is their heart. There is something going on in this church. And it's happening in the hearts and the minds and the soul of the believers. There is something going on and it's huge and it's powerful and it can't be stopped. And they're moving forward. This is moving forward. They're moving forward with Jesus. That's what they're doing. You know, the book of Acts, the book of Acts, right? That's what we pattern our church from, the book of Acts. And then the rest of the New Testament, you know, and, and the things that Jesus said. But primarily, the book of Acts is kind of our, our marching orders as a church. This is what we want to be. We're Christians. We're the body of Christ. We're trying to do what that early church did, right? We're patterning ourselves after that. And uh, notice it's the book of not the book of sitting or the book of standing or the book of being silent. It's a book of action. That's what it is. It's the, it really is what it should be called is the acts of the apostle, like the actions of the apostle, the work of the apostles as the church began. It's the New Testament church in action. It's our pattern. It's what we want to be like, right? We want to be like this. We want to imitate this. This is our pattern. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and did you know that not one of them, not one of them tells us to bunker in? So <laughs> we call it bunkering in, right? Not one. Not one word about bunkering in. You know, we, we've all probably seen the, the movie Field of Dreams, right? And that famous line, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come, right? That's, that's the mentality of the church today, is that if we build a building, they'll come. That if we, we create a 
place where people can gather that they'll come. And we've taken on this very idea, but the truth of the matter is this is not God's plan. God didn't say, go build a church. The apostles didn't go build a church. This is, this is one attempt on how we might reach the world. Some point in the past, after Jesus, somebody had an idea that if we build a building, maybe we'll gather people and other Christians will come. It's just one of the hows of doing it, but it is not the how that God gave us to do. If anything, Jesus said, don't get comfortable down here. If anything, Jesus said, live your life as if I'm coming tomorrow. Remember to the rich young ruler, he said, go, sell everything, and come follow me. And when he said to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, he was casting a vision for a spiritual work that he was going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was referring to the true church, the called out ones. People created in the image of God who have been washed in the blood of Christ. That's the church. We call that the ecclesia. That's the word for the name church, ecclesia. It means the assembly of God's people. It has nothing to do with bricks or a roof or, a sing or shingles or anything else. It's a gathering of God's people. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. As in the book of Acts in chapter 11 when Barnabas went to uh, Tarsus, uh, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and uh, it says, and, um, and when, he, when he found him, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, Ecclesia, and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Acts 11. Straight out of the book of Acts. Straight out of the, the book that we are striving to be like. And what, you know, so it's a side note, you know, they're first called Christians in Antioch, and where we get our name, you know, Christian church, right? Which is fine, it's good, beautiful. There, there are other New Testament titles or, you know, not necessarily nicknames, but names that the Christians were called back then, or the believers. They were called the believers, they were called the saints, uh, they were called the brethren, they were called Christians, they were called the Nazarenes, they were called disciples. There's other things that they were called, it wasn't just... And it says, you know, for a whole year, for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught them, right? For a whole year. And it sounds good, right? Sounds cool. Sounds awesome. I mean, the, these apostles, Barnabas, uh, uh, Barnabas and, and Saul, they went to Antioch. They met for a year. with it. They just stayed there and they taught the Christians. And we go, wow, that's awesome. And then we just kind of look. Today, I'm going to ask you not to leave it there. I'm going to ask you to ask this question. And then what? And then what? They met with them for a year and they taught them, and then what? We come here to worship, share together, read scripture, Bible study, and then what? And then what? Come back next week and do it again? Come back next week, do it again. Come back. Is, that, is that what it's come to? Is that, what, is that what the church is? And then what? They met with them for a year, and then what? Well, here's what I think what happened is they turned them loose to go make disciples. That's what Jesus said to do. Go. Get out of here. Go make disciples. Get out there. 
Go make disciples. That's what Jesus said to do. Not just keep coming back here. I say, don't come, don't come back here. Go make disciples. Stop coming to just be fed like little birds. You know what I mean? That's what we become. We want to be fed so we can go about our day and about our week and about our business and come back next Sunday and kind of do it again. That's not what they did. They met with them for a year. It sounds like a lot, but it's really not. A year, they taught them, they trained them, and they kicked them out and said, don't come back without new Christians. Go make disciples. Go. This is so different than what we do. We kind of created this never-ending cycle of coming to a building because it's kind of what we've become. Right? We have Sunday morning small groups. We worship. We have Sunday night. We do lots of things and good things going on. All we do, and I'm not blasting the church building. It can be a great tool, but what it can also become a crutch or like our little safe place or a, a, our little cave where we just that's all we're doing with our faith. That's not what they did. They kicked them out and said, Go do what Jesus said to do, make disciples, go. So if we're going to move forward with Jesus, it's gonna happen out there. Out there right? Less about us and more about the mission. It's not going to necessarily happen in here. This is where we encourage one another. This is where we share each other. This is where we can learn scripture and grow together. But the mission has to happen out there. Remember, in the temple courts and from house to house. That's the example. That's the pattern. Well, what you do, what we do, we create. What this is, is something we've come up with. In Christianity Today, an article was written about this same idea, the church. And it said things like this, that, the, uh, that, that when the Christians, um, or why, did the, why, why and when did the Christians start constructing buildings? That, that was the uh, article. And uh, the early church, the article goes on to say, the early church met in the temple courts and from house to house, kind of what I said. They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues, which is those Jewish places of teaching whenever they could get in there and teach. Jesus, they did. And as time went on, they began to meet when, when things got hard and tough and persecution set in, they began to meet like underground in catacombs, which were tunnels, underground tunnels for, that had rooms, they were burial sites, but Christians would meet like underground and then they come up out of the ground and uh, they go out and they share the gospel and they meet in secret places. And then Constantine came around around uh, 313 AD and, and he legalized Christianity and the church became more visible, it became more loud, it became more accepted, it became more popular. But, but please, we got to remember this. We got to get this in our heads. The church of Jesus was established in 30 AD when Jesus died on the cross and left the mission to the, to the apostles. That's the early church. That's when it kicked off. Constantine came along in 313, or he, he, he legalized Christianity. That's 260 years later, 260 years later, right? In 240 AD, there's this place called Dura Europis, and it's on the Euphrates River, and there was a home there that was converted to a meeting place for worship. They believe one of the first places, like buildings, that people came to worship, 240 A.D. 
That's 210 years after Jesus established church. It's sometime later. It's the earliest known place of worship. There was a baptistry in it. There was an assembly room in it. But the, the, the structure was destroyed by the Persians in 256 A.D. And all of our church life, all that we know about church, comes from this flow of what was happening in those first couple hundred years. What's my point? My point is this. On, on one hand, we have, we have a biblical, sorry, we have a biblical example, or we have a biblical uh, a pattern, biblical pattern for the church, right? Established by Jesus in 30 AD, carried out by the apostles, right? They took the message that Jesus gave them to the street, and then it was demonstrated in the book of Acts. We have that, all of that. And then we have years that came after that. A lot of church came after that. Okay, so we have the pattern, and we have a lot of church that came after that. Our desire is to get back to the pattern, not what people have created after the pattern. We want to get to the pattern of things. That's our goal. That's what we mean. You know, the Pharisees, they didn't mean to wander away from God. They didn't really even probably realize that they did. But they did. They just kind of created their own little system, had their own rules, began to create their own laws to govern what they thought was the way to go. But I don't think they really intentionally meant to walk away from God. It just kind of happened tend to happen because they were no longer interested in obeying God. They were more interested in having a religious system. But moving forward with Jesus means getting back to the heart of the mission. If we're going to move forward with Jesus, we're going to get back to the heart of the mission, right? So moving forward with Jesus then and means that we let go of things that hold us back and we let God, like, lead us forward for real, like for in the real world, like going forward. These guys, this early church, they were on fire. They had a purpose. They were determined. And what they did was they set it in their hearts to do so. They knew the mission. They knew the teachings of Jesus. And that was what they were going to lock onto, like a, like a laser missile. They were going to lock onto the mission of Jesus, and that's all we're going to be about. We're not going to let anything get in the way. We're not going to do anything that might lead us in a different direction. We're going to be set. We're going to set our hearts on Jesus and his mission. Their view, their mindset about Jesus and the church and the mission was totally different for them than it is in our day. Totally different. And the second thing that we're going to talk about next week is that they understood very clearly that it was Jesus who sent them. It was Jesus who sent them. They set it in their heart to stick with the mission and whatever Jesus told them to do, but they also understand that it was, it was Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah of the world, who sent them on this mission. And they were going to move forward with him. That's what they were going to do. But in order to do that, they had to turn the page. They had to, they had to figure out how are we going to, like, Forget about forgetting what's behind and moving forward, right, toward Christness, toward heavenward. That's what we're going to do. We're going to turn a page and move forward. And they said it in their hearts that that's what, exactly what they were going to do. We just sang a song a few minutes ago uh, that said, I'm no longer a slave to what? Fear. No longer a slave to fear. And I'm 
I'm afraid fear is the thing that keeps people doing from doing what God wants them to do. It could have easily kept the apostles from going forward. It could have kept, crippled them. When they were warned the first time not to speak in the name of Jesus, it could have shut them down. But it didn't. It didn't. They didn't care if they were going to be beaten. They didn't care if they were thrown in jail. They did not care what anybody could do to them. They, they were so determined to do what God said that it didn't matter. Their physicalness didn't matter. I don't care. You do whatever you want. That's where, that's, that's where people who are moving forward with God are. They don't care what you do to me. I am going to share the good news with the world. I, my life is going to be a living sacrifice to Christ. I am going to do everything I can to share the good news. So the cross, that's what the cross is about, right? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, what? Take up your cross and follow me. You know what, what happens when you take up a cross? You're dying to yourself. You're dying to the past. You're dying to what you think. You're dying to what others have told you. And all you're doing is what God says. We're thankful for the cross because it gives us a new start. We can begin new with God. And the cross, the cross is the thing. The cross is that moment in time where you truly, truly let go and let God. Because right? at the cross, you die. And then you begin to move again. And in a newness of life, a born-again life, you move forward. And unfortunately, some of us did this, but we never let go. We're still carrying this stuff. Came up out of the watery grave, and we still got it with us. Or we've, we've latched on to some things or a system or what we kind of been taught, and we think that now we're there. We're not, because... God isn't there. God isn't, God isn't in a system. God is God. He's moving. We either walk with him or we don't. You know, we either take up the cross and die to ourselves and say, God, here I am, I'm walking with you, or, or we're just kind of out here doing our own thing. And walking with the Spirit means we're walking with the Spirit, right? Not he's out there and I'm way back here, or not I'm way up there and he's way back there, or he's way over there. I, no, walking with the Spirit means we're walking with the Spirit. And walking is a movement, right? It's movement. It's, you're going somewhere. You're not standing still. You're not sitting in one place. You're going somewhere. We're walking because the Spirit wants to walk and He wants us to come along with Him. We're not leading Him. He's leading us. But I can tell you, He wants to go that way. Not that way. Not here. He wants to go that way. And so we want to let God.